Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director, and this is The Daily DC. Thanks so much for listening. Today on the podcast, Strategy Shift. That is what we see going on in so many places today. When you turn around, you're hitting a Democratic presidential candidate or a campaign sort of asserting some kind of either strategic shift or strategic emphasis, a little bit of spin. But it seems in the days prior to the reveal of those third quarter fundraising numbers, prior to the next debate, the process stories, if you will, the the strategy, the how you get from here to there in this battle for the Democratic nomination was sort of top of mind for many of the candidates today. I just want to tick through a bit of them for you guys to hear. First, the Harris campaign this morning held a conference call with reporters to walk through their all-in-on-Iowa strategy. This is, of course, a strategy of necessity. Uh, Kamala Harris, as you no doubt know, following the race, has been sort of stalled out in the 5% range in a lot of polls and is in need of something to make her still a true contender for the nomination. Now, her campaign will point to lots of data points about being people's second choice or people still actively considering her, her favorable ratings, what have you, in, in the numbers to say this is somebody who still is someone you can't write off at this point. That may be true. I, I don't even know that I would argue with the Harris campaign on that point. But the call this morning sort of was trying to give the impression that it was always the plan to Go big in Iowa at the end because that is when the voters and the caucus goers in Iowa start really paying attention and you start organizing the heck out of it and precinct by precinct, making sure you are doing the stuff you need to to get your folks out on caucus night at the time that people are really engaging with it. Well, sure, but if they were on top of the polls and dominating the Iowa landscape since March, uh, you can imagine this strategy wouldn't be necessary to sort of say to the world, it's now all about Iowa. Now, here is what is interesting, though. The Harris campaign manager uh, said today, in no uncertain terms, that Harris basically needs to finish in the top three. She needs a strong top three finish. He said in Iowa, usually people give themselves a little bit of breathing room, like I have to have a strong finish, be in the, you know, be sort of in the top folks that emerge there. But when you say you need a strong top three finish, you better hope your candidate ends up in the top three, because if she's not in the top three in Iowa, that makes it really hard to get on the plane and go to New Hampshire and actually make something happen there in the second contest. So. The other point that they are making is that she has done a lot of fundraising 
off the trail from campaign activity and that now voters in Iowa, caucus cars will see her every week in Iowa in the month of October. She'll be there and doubling the organization staff on the ground, putting an additional 60 organizers in Iowa alone, opening up 10 more offices in Iowa, and that this is the time they really wanted to hit the gas. The other thing as we saw in the debate in Houston with Harris is the strategy shift is one that is all about taking the fight to Donald Trump now. And her communications director, Lily Adams, made that point on the conference call with reporters as well that, yes, there will still be differences drawn with some of her opponents for the Democratic nomination and that it is important to demonstrate electability and viability going forward, but that showing day in and day out that you are the candidate that can beat Trump and taking the fight to Trump every day, like she did with her opening statement at the ABC debate in Houston. Uh, We're going to see more of that. So that was one big thing today is that for all that time Harris was spending in South Carolina in the early months and laying the groundwork, going to some Super Tuesday states, and some of this will still continue, the campaign said, but it is clear that they are putting her chances in the Iowa basket. So raises the stakes, of course, for Harris's performance on that uh, first Monday in February when the caucuses are are held. We also learned, this is so funny because it's sort of the counter argument to the Harris argument, from the Biden campaign, campaign manager Greg Schultz did a podcast with uh, the former Obama 2008 campaign manager David Pluff and started to emphasize the calendar beyond Iowa. That it's not all about Iowa, that having a really diverse coalition of supporters and the financial wherewithal to do so allows them to build a campaign for Super Tuesday and beyond. Schultz said to Pluff, the first four states are certainly about momentum, but the reality is at the end of the day, with so many candidates, it is about how many delegates can you acquire. He went on to say, it certainly helps to win Iowa. But we are looking at a strategy well beyond Super Tuesday. It is just so fascinating to have one campaign say it's all about Iowa now, basically, and then the other another campaign in the Biden campaign saying, well, it's not all about Iowa, trying to temper expectations there. But as we've discussed before, if, for instance, Elizabeth Warren were to win Iowa and then win New Hampshire, momentum is nothing to sneeze at. There, I don't believe in, in the modern era that there has been a Democratic candidate to win both Iowa and New Hampshire and not go on to win the nomination. I would be hard-pressed to think when that may have happened. Certainly, I don't, you know— you, the states could be split and maybe you get a different result, Iowa, New Hampshire. But if but if you win Iowa and you win New Hampshire, uh, it's going to be really, really hard for anyone to stop that person, whether it's Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. Right now, the you know three sitting atop the polls, if any of them were to win those first two, it would be hard to stop them, even with what Biden campaign manager Greg Schultz is saying. Bernie Sanders, for his part, His campaign just announced crossing a pretty huge threshold. They have reached the one million individual donor mark. One million individual donors. You know, the lower tier folks have been scrambling to get that 130,000 individual donors they needed to make the debate stage. It started out being 65,000. It doubled to 130,000 for debates three and four. We'll see what the DNC does for debates beyond that. But Bernie Sanders is just like lapping them all. 
a million individual donors. This is what his campaign manager said in announcing this information. With one million contributors, this is the only Democratic campaign that has more supporters than Donald Trump. Our strength is in numbers, and that is why Bernie Sanders is the only candidate who's able to say his campaign will rely on grassroots fundraising in both the primary and against Donald Trump. That's a little dig at Elizabeth Warren right there. Like all campaigns, we are beholden to our donors, and we're proud to stand with one million working people. So this is the emphasis shift, if you will, for the Sanders campaign. They can't really point to a ton of poll numbers right now. They're either tied with Elizabeth Warren for second or they have faded to third in some polls. So Sanders is not in the moment of being able to be the huge energy candidate that's dominating the race and causing everyone to respond to him. But what he does have is that he does have this army of grassroots donors that is a metric of strength that his other competitors have not yet reached. And so he puts that forward as like, this is why we're the ones that can beat Donald Trump. Again, each one of these things are about why they can beat Donald Trump, either because Harris comes from behind and wins Iowa and catapults onto the nomination and shows strength that nobody believed uh, she may have had, or Biden shows that he could lose an early contest, but so well built of a campaign that he can go the distance and poll after poll shows that he's the one that can most easily defeat Trump and that that's what continues to fuel his ability to survive and thrive in this nomination contest. Bernie Sanders says, I've got more individual donors than Donald Trump. I've actually got a bigger army. I can take that directly to him. So All in their own way, they are still trying to position themselves through their strategic shifts, different moments of emphasis in taking on Trump, that that's the message they want to sell to the Democratic voters. And then finally today, we got a strategic shift from Amy Klobuchar, who is on this blue state tour through Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, the three blue wall states that Donald Trump crashed through and caused to crumble for the Democrats on his way uh, to winning the White House in 2016. Uh, Democrats are desperately trying to position themselves to bring those states back into the blue column on election night 2020. And Amy Klobuchar is on a tour through those three states. Today she was in Michigan. She showed up in Simpatico with some UAW workers. She was also at the port in Detroit. And she made comments that we haven't heard from her before, a clear reference to Elizabeth Warren, even though she doesn't name her by name. But now we're seeing Klobuchar after sort of asserting her centrist Midwest credentials more vociferously in the last debate than we had seen from her previously. She's now taken that out to the campaign trail. She's keeping those sharp elbows out there. This is Amy Klobuchar, who first explains why she's different than Donald Trump, but then goes on to explain uh, what she thinks of some of the ideas of some of her more left-wing progressive opponents. Senator Klobuchar today in Detroit. Right now we have someone who's the loudest voice in the room all the time, trying to outdo people on Twitter and the words and the mean names and things like that. People are sick and tired of it. They just want storage at the port, okay? That is a, like, bread-and-butter issue that you want a president to be working on uh, instead of just calling people names. And so um, my view of this is we've got a lot of great people running, but some of these ideas are better left in the college faculty lounge uh, than right here at this port. Some of those ideas are better left in the faculty room? 
I mean, a clear shot at professor, former professor Elizabeth Warren, and a, a clear attempt for Klobuchar to use this blue wall tour to position herself as the one from the Midwest, more centrist and moderate in this Democratic field that can actually put those states back into the blue column more easily than uh, folks who are engaging in ideological debates that she clearly thinks are best left to the ivory tower. Very uh, interesting developments on the trail today. Each one of these campaigns trying to spin their current position in a way uh, that allows them to put the pieces together and, and sort of buy time to continue to get a chance to make the argument to voters about why they should be the nominee. And this is not for any of them necessarily where they'd be leaning into message-wise a month ago or two months ago, but it is what is available to them now as they try to deal with the hard reality. Fundraising numbers are coming in. You are going to see more debates this fall with fewer and fewer people qualifying. Perhaps more people will qualify in October, but then it looks like the DNC will raise the threshold again. So November and December may have fewer people on the debate stage. These are getting to be really important moments as we get closer to the voting and the voters really start focusing in on their choices. And today, these candidates took the opportunity to do some fall (laughs) adjustment. Think of it as the antithesis of spring cleaning, getting the summer cobwebs out of the way to the far more engaged and focused period of this campaign. That's what each one of these campaigns were trying to do today in their messaging. That does it for this edition of The Daily DC. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in again right here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.